folks. Welcome back to the Dumb After. This is Chris once again. Hello, folks, and welcome back to Chris White Africa here on the Indaba Broadcasting Network. It is Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, June the 3rd, 2021. Pleasure to have you back with us here today for the Indaba Africa News of the Day. A late start as I had interviews to conduct earlier today, which ran over. So welcome to Indaba Africa News of the Day today, June 3rd, 2021. Let's get straight to the abbreviated headlines and then in-depth news and analysis. Expropriation without compensation is run into a stumbling block in South Africa. <gasps> Say it ain't so, Joe. That's that's right. EWC has hit a stumbling block. And why is that? Well, the economic freedom fighters are threatening to block the EWC amendment to the Constitution. ESCOM. Salih Chikangano's uh, vile smoke and mirrors racism claim against Andre de Reuter has gone up in smoke because there, of course, there was no validity to it because the excuse of weak-minded, unintelligent individuals is to call someone a racist or accuse their actions of racism which of course gets everyone's attention in South Africa, regardless of whether there's any truth to it or not. Be careful what you type on social media, South Africans. <laughs> the government's watching you and will prosecute you for certain types of behavior. To be fair, the behavior is not acceptable, and we'll talk about that as we get to that story. Cyril Ramaphosa claims that the health minister's comments, or his the claims against him, the allegations of fraud or corruption, are serious, according to Cyril Ramaphosa, the president of South Africa. President Eric Masisi on a visit to Angola with comments about diplomatic relations between Angola and the unfolding events in Cabo Delgado province in northern Mozambique. The Botswana police services have rearrested journalists and independent journalist organizations are calling for their release as they claim that the government of Botswana is cracking down illegitimately on journalists in Botswana. President Buhari threatens rebels and according to the Africa report, Buhari is missing in action when it comes to the unfolding crisis throughout Nigeria between insurgencies, terrorist groups, theft, murder. The Africa report claims that Buhari is missing in action, yet he has threatened the rebels. And for that, Twitter has deleted his tweet. His tweet? His tweet. <laughs> Twitter has deleted President Buhari's tweet, reminiscent of what they did to another serving president, Donald John Trump. The International Monetary Fund is giving Uganda $1 billion. And the World Bank is throwing another $200 million on top of that for Uganda. The United African Republic. What's that? Never heard of it? Neither have I. But apparently there's a move afoot to rename Nigeria because Nigeria's name comes from the colonial masters. Therefore, we must rename it. I don't think it was the colonial masters who named the river the Niger River. That was someone else. But apparently a move is afoot to rename Nigeria and the United African Republic, or UAR, is one of the suggested names. Alberta's hypocritical premier is caught red-handed violating his own nonsensical pandemic rules. This is the same province uh, that imprisons Christians for practicing their faith and locks up people who are no threat to society over their unscientific behavior. The fascist behavior of the police in that province is off the charts. Yet rules for thee, not for me. The hypocritical premier of Alberta caught red-handed, just like Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, just like Chris Cuomo in New York, and the endless list of these idiots who think that they're above the law 
which isn't even a law, but they persecute you for violating their idiotic rules, which aren't laws. And Twitter has a subscription pay service, Twitter Blue. No, thank you. Those are the headlines in the abbreviated newscast today, folks. Let's get to in-depth news and analysis right now. Let's start off with this whole issue of expropriation with a compensation. And this is an op-ed commentary before we even go any further. South Africa has zero need whatsoever for expropriation without compensation. Number one, expropriation without compensation is not about land. It's about property. Property includes your tangible assets, such as retirement accounts, cash, houses, vehicles, jewelry, clothing. Those are all property assets, all of which could be seized by a corrupt state. And this is what one of the goals is. It's also the second goal is to intimidate political opponents. Because if you fear that your property will be confiscated by the state, all they have to do is threaten you and say, hey, if you don't shut up about our malfeasance and our corruption and quit telling people about it, we're going to take all your assets and do it legally. Morally bankrupt, but legal. Like many of the laws that occurred under apartheid, morally bankrupt, but legal in that system. But they didn't make them right. So why is expropriation without compensation, which has been on the table this time around since 2017, now in jeopardy, four years later? Well, because the economic freedom fighters who simply want to steal, 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 steal from people who are legitimate owners of property think it's inappropriate to consider compensating anyone for stealing what belongs to them, what they've earned through the sweat and toil of their own labors. Plan for land expropriation in South Africa's major stumbling block, according to Bloomberg. Plans for South Africa's ruling African National Congress to amend the Constitution to make it easier to seize land, let me correct that, to steal land without paying for it, have gone awry because it failed to pin down sufficient support from other parties to push the changes through. That's because the only other party that's remotely interested in this outright legal theft from all South Africans, not simply white South Africans, which is another misnomer, is the economic freedom fighters. Main opposition Democratic Alliance and other smaller parties oppose any constitutional changes which require the backing two-thirds of lawmakers, a majority the ruling party lacks. We as EFF will not vote for a sellout amendment which still speaks of compensation, says Julius Malema, the buffoon who leads this party and a person who incites violence repeatedly. We will not vote for a constitutional amendment which refused to acknowledge the state custodianship of South Africa's land because we know that expropriation of land piece by piece will take us more than 100 years to reclaim our land. Well, first off, Julius Malema, it's not your land, dingus. It's not your land. And the state doesn't own the land. The state shouldn't own land other than for military reservations, for government buildings, for government facilities, for nature preserves, those exceptions. The people own the land. The people who legitimately purchased it and obtained it own the land. Now, before you spew your lies, juju, 75,000 people plus filed land claims under the Land Restitution Act from 1995 to 1999, a five-year period. Over 74,000 of those land claims have long since been settled, mostly because most of the claimants simply wanted financial compensation. This lie about land... The fact that this even is on the table disqualifies South Africa from the Africa Growth and Opportunity Act, and they should be removed from it. They shouldn't have preferential duty-free exports into the United States because they're of good governance. They don't have good governance. They seek to undermine property rights, which is a hallmark of the requirements to qualify for the Africa Growth and Opportunity Act. EFF threatens to block the sellout amendment as expropriation row heats up. 
According to Bloomberg, it's over, but it's not over. They've asked for an extension, which they should not be given. Their date, their clock ran out on May 31st, and they shouldn't be given any more time to come up with a thieving piece of legislation. So the claims against the CEO of the state parastatal ESCOM, the electricity utility in South Africa, are nothing but nonsense, as we all suspected. The claims by a corrupt official himself, Saleh Tsitsinirango, uh, the inquiry finds there's no evidence for his highly irresponsible allegations. An independent inquiry into allegations of racism and abuse of power by ESCOM CEO Andre de Reuter has found no evidence that he conducted himself in a manner that amounted to racism or that breached governance. The inquiry, headed by advocate Ismail Samanya, was established by the ESCOM board in April after a senior employee wrote to chair... Makoba and to President Ramaphosa to complain about De Reuter's conduct. Of course he complained about De Reuter's conduct because De Reuter was not committing fraud like this gentleman apparently was, diverting contracts and paying patronage to his friends and pals instead of delivering services to South Africans. So you vile creatures who spew racism at every turn and then accuse other people of being racist, it's falling on deaf ears. You've so delegitimized the term racism or racist that people simply don't listen. And that's because of nonsense like this. No racism involved. It's like the Duke lacrosse rape case. Never happened. All a fiction, all a fraud. And all it did was destroy the lives of a dozen young white men because of racism. No consequences for anyone except for the fraudulent prosecutor who pushed the case. None of the Duke University officials sanctioned for their shameful conduct, the lives of these players, their reputations destroyed into perpetuity, their names drugged through the mud when some of them weren't even at the fraternity house the night that it happened. This goes on all the time and the miscreants are seldom punished. This gentleman should be punished for this whole episode and his fraudulent accusations. Because there's real racists out there. And by cheapening it, by claiming every time that someone wants to simply do the right thing and you have malfeasance in mind that it's racism, you damage the label of racist and racism. Well, South Africans, speaking of racism and comments, be careful what you do on social media. The government's coming after you on WhatsApp. Ramaphosa signed the cyber crimes bill into law, bringing the cybersecurity laws in South Africa more in line with much of the world. It's now an act of parliament, creates offenses for and criminalizes, amongst other things, the disclosure of data messages which are harmful. Examples include those who incite violence or damage to property. Okay, that should be a crime. Those who threaten persons with violence or damaged property. That should be a crime. Of course, how that will be interpreted will be the key. Those who contain intimate image sent without the subject's consent. What is intimate? Is topless intimate for a male? Hmm. Other offenses include cyber fraud, forgery, extortion, theft of incorporeal property. The unlawful intentional access to a computer system or computer data storage medium is also considered an offense along with the unlawful interception of or interference with data. Ah, so cyber hackers are also now going to be guilty of crimes. It's shocking that these simple remedies are not already part of South African law. It took this long. Where has the ANC been since 1994? They came into power in 94. The first graphic-based web browser from... University of Illinois at Carbondale, written by Mark Anderson and a team of graduate students and undergraduates at University of Illinois Carbondale, known as Mosaic, was released in 1994. And here we are nearly 30 years later, and the ANC has discovered that there's cyber crimes out there that need their attention. Wow. Talk about being asleep at the wheel, ANC. Talk about being asleep at the wheel. Well, sleep at the wheel. Another ANC minister accused of serious corruption charges. This time it's William Kizi, the health minister in South Africa. Dr. Mkisi is accused of corruption related to the pandemic. 
South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa says that the calls of allegation against the health minister are serious and disturbing. These are serious and disturbing allegations, Ramaphosa said in his presidential budget vote on Wednesday. It is essential investigations are finalized without delay and that the due legal process is followed. Now, of course, that's just playing for the cameras. Ramaphosa will do nothing to root out corruption in his cabinet. If he did, he'd eliminate virtually every cabinet minister at this stage. Each week reveals yet another miscreant in the Afghan National Congress stealing from the people of South Africa while spewing racial nonsense to divert from their crimes. Botswana's President Eric Masisi had visited Angola this week and had many things to say in an exclusive interview with Africa News. I'll give the highlights of that now. Masisi talked about the Mozambique crisis and relations with uh, Angola as well. The insurgency in northern Mozambique is posing a threat to other countries in the southern African development community. Duh! Thank you for that insightful nugget there, folks. The economic bloc of 15 countries discussed aims to ensure peace in Mozambique. <laughs> Botswana is the current chair of the organ on the SADC organ on politics. Security in the region has conveyed messages to discuss issues of instability in the region and more recently has concentrated on the situation in Mozambique, said President Mokwetsi Masisi, Eric Masisi. Well, the events that unfolded most recently that got people's attention, got the world's attention, took place on March 24th. April 24th, May 24th, June 3rd. You see a pattern here? No action by the Southern African Development Community. Hardly shocking, hardly a surprise. The so-called African standby forces don't exist. The ACERC, the Africa Crisis Response Initiative, doesn't exist. Well, they do exist, but they never deploy. Why? They seem to be very convenient vehicles to hoodwink Western nations into supplying training and equipment so that these governments can do it on the cheap and not fund their military forces and security forces properly, leaving that to other countries and then never employing them. So what else did Masisi have to say? He talked about Mozambique and he also talked about relations with Angola and cooperating with Angola, two neighboring states. The largest water source in Botswana, of course, is the Kavango River, which comes down from Angola and fills up the Okavango Basin. So they talked about that. As we discussed with President Lorenzo, we want to enhance cooperation in every space. And the beginning point is to understand what the ecology holds, what the environment holds. We in Botswana have exploited the terrain and beauty provided by the headwaters from Angola in the Delta in the particular ways. And it is up to Angola to see if that is what they want to do also or do something else. As long as whatever is done is sustainable, does not bring harm to the Delta and the waters, we are fine. So we've agreed to cooperate and collaborate. It's really an open question of what can be done in the context of the origins of the Delta, the Okavango Delta waters beginning in Angola and in the Kaza zone. Angola and Botswana are also both diamond producers, and so they're looking at working and cooperating there as well. While all this is going on, the Botswana Police Service, or the BPS, has been accused of detaining and arresting journalists, independent journalists, and there are calls by the Committee to Protect Journalists for their release. This is the same group that's calling for the release of Jeffrey Moyo in Zimbabwe, who was arrested by authorities for supposedly illegally facilitating the arrival of New York Times journalists into Zimbabwe. Botswana police charge Moladitlo news boiler staff with criminal trespass. Botswana authorities should immediately drop the criminal charge against two journalists and three media workers and cease harassing members of the press and seizing their devices, the Committee to Protect Journalists said today. The five are expected to appear in court this month in connection with a case dating from January. On the 20th of January, outside Botswana's capital, Habarone, they arrested Shepo Sitibe and Michelle Taisi, who, two reporters from this group, a privately owned news outlet that publishes on Facebook, and four media workers with the company. All five employees were released 10 days later on February 7th after being charged with two counts of criminal trespass for entering two houses on January 25th, 27th in search 
of Obakeng Badubi, a man who disappeared earlier that month, according to the Botswana government. The employees had entered the house as part of a news investigation into his disappearance. The outlet publishes stories of people who have disappeared. Criminal trespass punished for up to one year in prison, according to Botswana's penal code. This harassment of journalists and independent journalists uh, continues unabated in Africa, particularly in Southern Africa, but not exclusively. Zimbabwe's government, Harare, has ordered the cessation the acceptance of the U.S. dollar. Of course, famously, Zimbabwe's dollar was worse than the Weimar Republic's Deutschmark. And what happened was that the entire economy imploded under the venal and corrupt economic policies of ZANU-PF. The dollar was introduced, along with the RAND, less so, but the RAND, but the dollar was introduced as the form of currency and became one of the countries around the world, a small handful of countries that relied on the U.S. dollar, including the United States, of course, Liberia, and the Zimbabwe, and a few other smaller countries that use the U.S. dollar as their currency. And the economy stabilized. People were able to buy goods. And it wasn't a perfect solution, of course, because anything cost less than the dollar. There were no coins for change. So prices were either elevated or people added multiple things to reach the same price. Now, once again, the government of Zimbabwe, trying to protect its, its ludicrous new currency, is banning the use of U.S. dollars. Price of goods in Zimbabwe are spiraling again, threatening to halt and decline consumer inflation after authorities last week forced businesses to stop quoting prices in U.S. dollars in a bid to encourage the use of the faltering local currency. Despite the reintroduction of the Zimbabwe dollar in 2019, most businesses have been charging U.S. dollars with customers having an option to pay using local money at rates higher than the official exchange rate. After losing their pensions and savings during a decade of hyperinflation to 2009, Zimbabweans prefer using the greenback to their own currency. But the government issued regulations on Friday making it mandatory to quote prices in local currency with payment dollars offered as an option using the official rate. Nigeria's President Buhari, Mohamed Buhari, has threatened rebels. Nigeria's president threatens rebels amid rising violence in the southeastern part. That's the Biafra region of South Africa, of, of Nigeria. Pardon me. People promote insurrection in Nigeria face a rude shock, its president warned on Tuesday, raising the possibility of a fierce crackdown on rising violence in the southeast that has included arson, attacks on police stations, and electoral offices. Security forces are already grappling with criminal gangs in the Northwest to carry out mass kidnappings for ransom, a decade-old Islamic insurgency in the Northeast, and piracy in the Gulf of Guinea off of Nigeria's southern coast. You can understand why the Africa report, a subsidiary of Jeune Afrique, has the following to say about Buhari. Buhari missing in action while security and economic woes persist. The Threats to Nigerians come from all quarters throughout the country. While Nigeria's President Mohamed Buhari traveled to Ghana over the weekend for a summit of the Economic Community of West African States, or ECOWAS, discussed the political crisis in Mali, at least 24 persons, including Ahmed Gulak, a former presidential aide, were killed while two courts and police stations were raised in various states in the southeast. Yet the growing insecurity is just one of the many challenges the president is struggling with, and many believe he has lost control of his administration. It's certainly an open-ended question what's going on in Nigeria and why the security forces and the police are not more effective at dealing with what's happening in the country. Twitter has silenced President Buhari, deleting one of his tweets. Twitter has deleted a tweet by Nigeria's President Buhari in which he threatened to punish pro-Biafra groups blamed for escalating attacks on government security authorities. Social media firm said Buhari's tweet violated its abusive behavior policy, leading to a 12-hour suspension of his account. Tweet promised a response to waves of attacks blamed on the Eastern Security Network, an armed group which emerged from the main Biafran. Interesting events unfolding in Nigeria, ladies and gentlemen, as we speak. And speaking of other parts of Africa, the International Monetary Fund is handing out $1 billion, $1 billion to Uganda, part of its ongoing program to provide assistance to African countries struggling through the pandemic and the impact. IMF offers bailout to second African nation in just a week. The IMF agreed to provide $1 billion facility to Uganda. 
It's the second time in just four days. The previous one on the 27th of May, they gave $1.5 billion to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. That raises the total to $15 billion of IMF handouts to African nations since the pandemic began in early 2020. That's just the IMF. Uganda's also received an additional $200 million from the World Bank to expand access to high-speed and affordable internet, improve uh, digitally enhanced public service delivery, and strengthen digital inclusion in Uganda. Now, this is problematic. Uganda began taxing social media and and, and text messages with an unjust tax against consumers, ostensibly to help improve digital access. Where'd that money go? Where did all that money go in Uganda? That seems to be a real question that should be asked here, not simply reporting that the World Bank is giving them $200 million to do something they should have already had the resources to do by fleecing consumers over the past several years. The new Uganda Digital Acceleration Project, GovNet, will support an extension of 1,000 kilometers to the national backbone of fiber infrastructure and additional 500 kilometers of fiber optic network links between towns, mobile broadband connections for up to 900 government administrative units, and service centers in underserved areas and 828 Wi-Fi hotspots in select locations to support access to online services. Now, my next question is, all of that hardware going in, what is the maintenance plan? What is the replacement plan going forward? Or will it all simply stop working 36 months from now and we'll have none of the the tangible results that people are hoping to improve in Uganda? I mentioned that Nigeria is looking at a name change because the colonial masters are the ones who handed out the name Nigeria. <gasps> How evil is that? Nigerians the world over are proud of being called Nigerians. Wear the green, white, with great pride. They have no objections to be called Nigerians. But for some reason, there seems to be a move put afoot to eliminate the name Nigeria. Other than confusion with Niger, it's really not an issue. Look at that green and white there. People formerly known as Nigerians now wish to be called Uranium. <laughs> This joke by Nkudo Oranjimal. What is someone from the United Arab African Republic called? Uranium or urea? The answer in keeping many Nigerians awake as they chew over a proposal to change the name of the country. For two weeks, the federal lawmakers have been traversing the country, collating citizens' views to amend the Constitution. The idea was to gather suggestions for amendments, such as electoral reforms and the system of government. But a tax consultant dropped something of a bombshell at the hearings in Lagos. He wants the name of the country changed as it was an imposition by Nigeria's past colonial masters. The same Nigeria was suggested in the late 19th century by British journalist Flora Shaw, who would later marry the British colonial administrator Lord Frederick Lugard. It's derived from the River Niger, which enters the country and flows down to the tribu- through the delta. He wants the name change and his choice of United African Republic to reflect the hundreds of ethnic groups that comprise the country has blown a storm. These Twitter users have a theory where the idea came from. Premier Jason Kenney of Alberta was caught violating his own unethical lockdown rules. Kenny and some cabinet ministers are pictured at a patio in the federal building in Edmonton taken on June 1st, 2021. From the top right is Jason Nixon, Minister of Environment, Parks, Government House Leader and Health Minister Tyler Shandro, and the back of the camera is Premier Jason Kenny. And there you have it. They are not the sufficient distance apart that they're required to be under his criminally negligent unscientific rules for the pandemic. Premier Jason Kenney's office is defending photos that show the premier and senior cabinet ministers sitting on a patio in the federal building saying they're not in violation of pandemic gathering rules. Unfortunately, they are, despite the lies spread by his office. The premier, with a few ministers and staff members, held a working dinner last night. You'll note the gathering was outdoors, adding that fewer than 10 people were in attendance. 
However, distancing among members of different households is mandatory in outdoor gatherings of up to 10 people. In the photos, the people in the group are seated closer than six feet apart, thereby exposing the hypocrisy of yet another disgraceful politician who thinks they're above the rules that they enforce on you and me, assaulting physically and arresting a Christian pastor for holding a church service in which many of the people in that church are actually further apart than these clowns are. Twitter has a pay subscription service. I bet you're dying to find out about that. Not. Well, let's talk about it anyway. Twitter launches Twitter Blue. It's premium subscription Twitter Blue in Canada and Australia. Not coincidentally, two states that are among the most oppressive, anti-democratic, liberty-crushing, venal fascist governments in the world today. Canberra and Ottawa. Twitter is today officially launching its first ever subscription service, Twitter Blue, initially in Australia and Canada. Subscription will allow Twitter users to access premium features, including tools to organize your bookmarks, read threads in a clutter-free format, and take advantage of an untweet feature, which is the closest thing Twitter will have to the long-requested edit button. Well, no thank you. No thank you to Twitter. I'll pass. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is the in-depth analysis of today's news and headlines. Today, the 3rd of June, 2021 here on Daba African News Today. Thank you for your time, for your patronage, and for joining us here on Daba African News of the Day. Look for this to be uploaded on the All Things Africa podcast as soon as it's available for download from YouTube, and it'll also be loaded up on other platforms. Thank you for your support, your patronage. God bless, and have a lovely day.